America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I've always believed the foundation of our fulfillment in life doesn't come from our success, but rather the strength of our relationships, not only with others, but also with ourselves. And how we develop a deeper connection is through self-reflection and purposeful conversations with those around us, especially like-minded individuals. And that is exactly why I created the What Fulfills You card game, to cultivate both more meaningful relationships with others, as well as ourselves on the journey of personal growth. I certainly use these questions as a guide for journal prompts and weekly check-ins with myself. And of course, when I am playing this game with friends on a Friday night in, you bet I am enjoying it with a glass of wine or two, who knows. (laughs) Shop the card game now at whatfulfillsyou.com and enjoy an exclusive 10% off for listeners only with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. That's whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout at whatfulfillsyou.com. Enjoy. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host. And for today's episode, I have on a new friend of mine. Her name is Natasha B. Miller. And I want to preface, we do talk about sexual wellness on this episode. So in case that makes you uncomfortable for any reason, just want to preface that because I know I haven't actually gone into this topic in the past or on any past episodes in this way where we are talking about sex and sexual wellness and you know intimacy with a partner so i will say i know that this could be something not really up your alley but i think this is really great for those of you who are curious and might find googling this kind of stuff uncomfortable or talking about it with your girlfriends uncomfortable because it definitely can be you know I've, I've been there before where you have questions or curiosity but you're not really sure how to bring it up with friends so I do think this is definitely a great episode for that so with that being said let's welcome Natasha to the podcast all right all right well natasha thank you for joining me today (laughs) thank you for having me i'm so excited i am excited because i've never had someone talk about sex and we i definitely have some sex related questions on today's bring it on episode um but i felt like it was important to actually touch on your background because of course from our first conversation and meeting and a little bit of linkedin stalking i know that you went to Colombia. Yes. And also like you're originally from Brazil. 
Yes, I'm originally from yeah. Sao Paulo. So yeah, share a little bit about your background and like what led you to Colombia and then also your experience in working in finance and everything before. Because I feel like I like people to have a painted picture. Right. Yeah. So I grew up in an American Brazilian household and went to an international school in Sao Paulo. Okay. My mom worked in finance. Uh, she was transferred to Miami when I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So I you know, was already really used to the American culture. It wasn't a big culture shock for me. Um, loved living in the U.S. and a natural progression was going to college here. Mm -hmm. Generally, schools here are better than in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And um, I have always been very like ambitious type A, uh, needed to do an Ivy League and New York. I came when I was 15 and like absolutely fell in love with the city. Mm. So Columbia was an early decision uh, for me. And it worked. And I studied political science. I wanted to work in the CIA. I'm oh, just somebody. Yeah. Wait, I actually didn't know that. I at one point wanted to as well. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I know it's weird, but yeah. <laughs> but I realized that the lifestyle would be really hard in yeah. terms of like building a family and I think just the risks involved. Um, but I, I've just always been curious about so many different things. Yeah. And studying political science allowed me to learn about not only politics, but economics and, mm -hmm. you know, art, music, so many right. different things. Right. Um, so I really love that about the college experience. Mm -hmm. And um, because my family works in finance, there was a lot of pressure okay. for me Typical. to go into it. And yeah. I think I was a bit lost and didn't really know the direction. I did an internship in uh, the sales side of finance mm -hmm. and um, discovered that I'm actually really good at it. That's where my competitive advantage is. Not, yeah. It's not sitting behind an Excel spreadsheet right. in the numbers. And I did that for seven years. How did you transfer from finance into kind of like the wellness space? Because I feel right. like that is such a big jump and a very, because because of the industry difference, you know, there's, right. there's not like an easy bridge over. Yeah. I realized that although I was good at what I did within sales and finance, I wasn't passionate about it. Mm. And I had heard from somebody that I really admire that in your 20s, you're supposed to explore different things so that in your 30s, you get really good at what you do. And mm. in your 40s is when you really make money doing that. Mm. Um, so I gave myself that time where I think I had proven to both myself and my family that I could, you know, be successful early on in finance right. and then check that box. And I had also gone through the Saturn return at around age 27 mm. when it started, ended a long-term relationship and really started thinking, all right, is this something that I want to um, build a legacy on, mm. right? The work that I did in finance. And, yeah. and the answer was no. Okay. But I didn't know what was the next step. Okay. I had for a really long time listened to How I Built This mm -hmm. uh, by Guy Raz yeah. and always just so inspired by entrepreneurs because I'm also an American and have this ease of moving back and forth between the countries. Mm -hmm. I decided to move back to New York. So maybe I skipped a step, but after college, I moved back to Brazil to work in finance there okay. and had a boyfriend there, which was also a big impulse at the time. And so then at 27, I was just very free and 
trying to understand what it is that I wanted to do, stayed in finance for another year and a half mm -hmm. and decided to move to the to back to New York where I already had a network and had met somebody, reconnected with somebody from college who wanted to scale a movement modality. Mm -hmm. And I have always been such a wellness enthusiast, specifically with working out. Mm -hmm. And in Brazil, had always wanted to like start with a boutique fitness of my own. Yeah. So I studied a few different models of m scaling movement modalities and realized that this was something that was actually viable. So I uh, moved back at the end of 2019. Mm -hmm. We launched um, a month before COVID <laughs> hit. Yeah. And scaling a fitness company in in COVID was not the best decision, unfortunately. Right. So I, after a year and a half, so I stayed on for a while. We had an MVP. It was it was successful for an MVP, but the next step required raising money. And also, my business partner at the time was really burnt out. Um, so we decided to part ways mm. and I reflected on what was the next step, realized I really loved being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to work for anybody else. And there was this movement within sexual wellness where mm. there was this whole rebranding of the industry. It used to be these like dingy, dark sex shops that catered only to the male gaze mm. and really repelled women and people in general, right? Mm -hmm. Like you were always embarrassed right. to go to a sex shop. Right. And then around 2018, 2019, you have the mods and the dames of mm -hmm. the world that mm -hmm. started rebranding the industry and were doing such a beautiful job. And I said, all right, like this is an opportunity where I love this subject. I've always been that friend that can talk about sex and intimacy mm -hmm. really easily. And I wanted to dive into it. So that's how I got into sexual wellness. It's, yeah. it's a little it's a little crazy. I mean, it requires you to be a bit delusional, I think, about yeah. your chances of survival and running these risks. But it feels good. I, I found what I want to do. So you created Wonderlust, which right. is um, your company. And I would love for you to share the story behind it, like where did the name come from? How did the concept come about? How did you think of intimacy cards and, and like that card game right. and that deck? So Wonderlust is a sexual wellness company that really helps couples navigate the different stages of a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's so hard, you know, you have the beginning and you're full of lust and things just seem to come really easily. Mm -hmm. And then after a couple of years, you feel like you've reached a plateau and you, you kind of go through these like ups and downs throughout mm -hmm. your relationship. And then you have kids and all these other things. So I just felt like there was an opportunity in the market to build a company that really catered to couples. Mm -hmm. And I'm also in a long-term relationship now, and I know of these difficulties. It's my second long-term relationship. So mm -hmm. in, in thinking of the name of the company, Wonderlust, it's actually Wonder with an O. Mm -hmm. So it really is, they say that the largest sexual organ in your body is your brain. Mm. And we end up forgetting that we kind of take it so much as a, a physical thing, but truly it is about stimulating your 
mental capacity to embrace your sexuality, right? Mm -hmm. And your fantasies and your desires. So Wonderlust comes from that. I decided to start with the intimacy card game because I felt like there weren't any games in the market that truly dove into conversations around sex that really helped couples talk about it and spice things up in a way that was tasteful and holistic mm -hmm. and effective. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of what I saw in the market was cards, card games that were either there were too few questions mm -hmm. around sex or they were a bit more on the vulgar uh, drinking game kind right. of style. Right. So, and there's nothing wrong with those, mm -hmm. but I spoke to a lot of people who wanted a product that was a bit more approachable. Yeah. And so we ended up doing a survey with over 500 couples to understand what their pain points are. Mm -hmm. And at the core of wanting to have more sex, better sex, more novelty in sex, what was really impeding them from doing so was actually being able to talk about it effectively. Mm. And so how do you create a product that doesn't feel like a therapy session right? Um, or more homeworky, so, yeah. but it's still as effective. Yeah. And that's how Mindful Intimacy, our card deck for couples was born. How did you go about thinking of those questions? Did you do kind of your own research? Did you talk to, you know, psychologists and like, you know, uh, sex therapists, things like that? Like how, what was the research process like before like actually launching it? We ended up doing a ton of research uh, around relationship psychology. Mm. And I set it up so that the first level is normally how you would start off with couples therapy mm -hmm. prompts that remind you of what brought you together right that mm -hmm. in and of itself is already really stimulating and it, and it is an inherent turn on yeah and then you dive into the second level which then goes into the sexual questions with prompts that tease out the initial questions so it's not just for example, a common one is what is your sexual fantasy, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of card games have that question. Um, but the follow-up question to that is, is, are there any that you actually want to make come true? Because a lot of them, we just kind of want to keep it to ourselves mm -hmm. in, in our heads, mm -hmm. and that's perfectly fine. Yeah. But if you want to make it come true, okay, sure. In, in which scenario and what are your concerns and boundaries around this? So it really helps you tease out that into a much larger mm -hmm. conversation with your partner. Um, and it's approved by therapists and sex coaches as well. So mm -hmm. it, it truly is like a very holistic intimacy card deck. When it comes to like the business side, how did you actually then begin building traction? I know we talked about it <laughs> and we talked about like the impact of TikTok and like TikTok. and like uh, building a community on there. But I think it's, it's interesting too because a lot of girls that listen, of course, not all of them are interested in entrepreneurship or building right. a business, but I think some are curious in that sense of, okay, you got something new, you started building it, you started creating it, but like, how did you actually sell your first product? You know, I think that's that's kind of the biggest leap. I mean, besides the fact of like actually creating it, the manufacturing process, figuring out, okay, I have a product now. How do I actually sell it? Right. How do I get it into stores? I saw that uh, your card game is in some stores and boutique shops. So right. what was that process like? So before you launch anything, make sure that you validate if there's demand. Yeah. And that's what we did um, through the survey. And then afterwards, when we 
built out the prototype for it. We had couples play it so that we got, mm -hmm. you know, feedback on how effective it was. And that was such an integral part of the process. But above all, we already gathered testimonials that like, hey, this works and it's great mm -hmm. and it's made a difference in our relationship. So this is where my background in sales comes in. Yeah. A friend of mine was like, you just need to hop on TikTok. Um, that's the place to be. And yeah. I remember thinking like, okay, well, what do I have to lose? Nobody knows me on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. And I hopped on and my fourth video went viral over 6 million views. I gained, you know, 35,000 followers overnight. Mm -hmm. And that's, then I knew that we were in business. Yeah. We launched the product about, uh, two months later. So I was early on in, in the game when I started on TikTok, mm -hmm. uh, compared to when we launched. And yeah, we had sales right away. Mm. I mean, um, and not just from my TikTok followers, but also my friends and, and, and family that like were genuinely interested. Listen, mm -hmm. like I need this and I think this is going to help. Yeah. And um, that segment of people that know me personally has grown a lot more in, in terms of like the customer base, mm -hmm. not just because they want to support me, but right. because they it's truly helped their relationship. Yeah, what about getting into stores then? Because I think that's also yeah. a part that a lot of people don't know about is like wholesale and getting into retail stores. Right, you need to show that you've had traction mm -hmm. because stores are taking a big risk in having your product and their store. Yeah. And they wanna make sure that if they're gonna have a product there, that it's going to sell, frankly, with the least amount of effort, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, we had this huge traction on TikTok, you mm -hmm. know, over 220,000 followers. Mm -hmm. And that already gives it some credibility. Yeah. So that's helped a lot in terms of getting into retail stores. Yeah. Did you like reach out to them directly yourself? Did you? Yes. Yeah. I've also been in trade shows and that's helped. Mm -hmm. um, you gain familiarity right. and, and new leads. But it really, it requires you to do the work. Like yeah. it's a very humbling experience. Yeah. Because sure, like I have a great product, I know that and, and people love it, yeah. but uh, you also have competitors and you're fighting for shelf space. Right, right. So it's not just a matter of getting a foot in the door, it's also a matter of being able to sell it once it's inside mm -hmm. or else they're gonna take it off. Right, and I think that's what's interesting is a lot of people think it's glamorous, like the whole process, right? right? No, like it's having not. a product <laughs> and like getting sales through e-commerce and getting sales in stores and then being in stores, right? But I remember I had other founders on the show who talked about when they got into Target or Bloomingdale's and that process, while it seems like super glamorous that, ooh, I'm in Target, like the margins are really heavy. Yeah. And you know, and these are just You gain that in the volume, but I totally understand. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's also like a calculation of, well, you have this much time to get off their shelf and if you don't then it's like it's like a whole yeah it's a crazy process with I think big department stores versus like boutique stores versus you know different uh type of retail stores so I think it's interesting for young women who are curious about like that process of having a product selling it and like being able to get into stores for them to kind of hear the reality that it yeah, is such a process I think there's been this with the rise of social media there's been this glamorization of the founder. Yeah. And I, I'm very sorry that it's come to that because there is nothing less glamorous than being a founder. Like it's great when you see that your 
company is gaining traction and you're making money and you do have the potential to cash in down the road and and hopefully make generational wealth but Mm -hmm. it depends on your objective obviously um but there's absolutely nothing glamorous about it and uh, i think there's so much that ends up uh hidden in the process of you know getting pr and showing up on the cover of forbes Mm -hmm. and all these other things that can come with being being a founder but my whole I think the best way for you to decide what it is that you want is just to consider what are the headaches that you want in your life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about that. Yes, the, I think the the first time we met too. And that has yeah. changed my thinking of how I want to grow the company entirely. Mm-hmm. What has been your latest thought process? I know, I know, we talked about that a bit, but I feel like that's something that you and I connected on, which is, you know, I think I can speak for at least myself in that I don't have the desire to build a big company or build a team and have to manage people and have to be on these different meetings because I think, you know, I love to travel like you do. And, and I think there is a lack of autonomy in a way when you have to be on a meeting at a certain time and, and you have to run a team and all these different things. And I think it, it really depends. Like some people enjoy it. Some people enjoy having a team and like having an 8 a.m. St- a kickoff call every day. And some people like the more nomad entrepreneur life. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What's been your thought process on that? Because I think that's also something that maybe isn't discussed that frequently especially amongst you know young entrepreneurs people that are building something and like the thought process of where do I want to go with this and what kind of headaches do I want to take on right so everybody says that when you become an entrepreneur you need to be as nimble as possible Mm -hmm. and open to pivoting whenever you need to do so and so what has been interesting for me is I launched with this idea of growing a sexual wellness company with products, Mm -hmm. eventually educational courses, Mm -hmm. but uh, main focus is products and being an operator behind the scenes. Like you may know of my name as I'm the founder behind it, Mm -hmm. especially since like female founders are having a moment, but, and I hope it's a moment that will continue on forever, but now we're getting more visibility. Mm -hmm. And I realized that After we launched, I built this beautiful physical product that actually truly brings joy to people's lives. Mm -hmm. But I really love the educational part of it more Mm -hmm. and the content creation. I I love being a content creator and helping people. Yeah. um, And and being in that sort of face-to-face role through social media, of course, as I'm not doing one-on-ones. And it's taken some time for me to accept Mm -hmm. that I am not going to be building out more physical products for the time being. Yeah. I'm really going to focus on what brings me the most joy, and that is building educational courses. Yeah. And helping people with the foundation of their sexual and relationship wellness. Because Mm -hmm. I think that you can have all of the vibrators and lubes in the world, but nothing's gonna help you build a fulfilling sex life Mm -hmm. and relationship with your partner if you don't have the foundation of it, if you don't know how to communicate Mm -hmm. better with your partner, 
if you don't understand how your libido and arousal template works, mm-hmm. how your partner's works, yeah. and what are the exercises and activities that you can actually engage in to improve that long term. And then obviously yeah. through these exercises and the exploration, right. all of these other accessories come into play. Right. But until you really learn the foundation of it, mm-hmm. it's not gonna matter. I'm curious from an observation standpoint, what are you seeing women are are looking for now? What are they being more willing to ask for? What are they more curious about in like the education process? Women are starting to speak up about their partner's lack of desire, which mm-hmm. is huge because we've been brought up thinking that men are the ones that have more sexual desire than women. Mm -hmm. And there's this trope, you know, of the woman with higher libido is frankly hypersexualized and it can be really frustrating as someone who has a higher libido than their male partner Mm. to admit that. Yeah. And how do I talk to my partner about it? You know, I want them to initiate more. I want them to be open-minded to try new things in bed. That has been something very interesting for me to see mm-hmm. yeah. in in my anonymous hotline and yeah. my DMs. Yeah. But also women tend to require a more romantic and emotional connection. Mm-hmm to getting turned on in a long-term relationship. And something that's very common amongst heterosexual couples is in the beginning when you're dating each other, you're doing everything to seduce each other. Mm -hmm. So you're planning the date and there's all this excitement as you think about how date night is gonna be. You you dress your best, you smell great. Uh, When your partner is at home and you take the time to you know, massage them and 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 truly create this whole ambiance to get in the mood. Mm-hmm. And then like cut to five years down the road <laughs> and you look at each other and it's like, do you wanna have sex? All right, let's do it. And yeah. you go to the bedroom, you each take off your own clothes. Cause yeah. you remember in the beginning you were like <laughs> frantically trying to take off each other's clothes. Yeah, yeah. And maybe there's a little bit of kissing um, <laughs> and maybe a little bit more foreplay, but rarely. And then you go straight to penetration. Yeah. And this leads to very boring sex. And it's actually curious. Studies have shown that women tend to get more bored in monogamy than men do. Mm. And it's precisely because of the lack of diversification in sex scripts. Mm. Because it tends to be exactly what I just described. And so it's not that women are inherently... It's not that women inherently have less desire than men mm-hmm. in long-term relationships. They're just understimulated. Mm. And... I hear a lot of men complaining like, well, then I have to come home and there's my second shift that I need to, you know, woo her off her feet to get her in bed. And it's like, no, actually, foreplay begins at the end of the last time you had sex. Mm-hmm. So it's how you treat your partner on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And it it is contributing to household chores Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. to committing to what it is that you're going to do and showing up in ways that 
show that you're truly dedicated to your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not talking about you having to change 180 degrees, yeah. but it is showing that you care and making your partner feel desired. You'd be surprised at how many partners mm-hmm. don't tell their their partners that they look good, that they desire them. Mm-hmm. They only do so when they actually want to initiate sex mm-hmm. and or even to touch them yeah. when they want to initiate sex. So yeah. you don't have that physical contact yeah. and that emotional contact mm-hmm. on a daily basis. And that's so important. So I see a lot of women coming out and, and just mentioning, like, I just wish that there was more time spent in us creating that mood Mm -hmm. and like seducing each other. A lot of people don't even know that that's actually what they need. Yeah. Um, They're also really tired (laughs) and I get it. Like we're all working around the clock. Yeah. And you know, if you have kids, you're also burnt out with that and that's a huge priority in your life, but you need to make time to cultivate intimacy with your partner Mm -hmm. or else when your kids are 18 and they leave the house, you're going to look at each other and it's like, okay, now what? Right. Right. You lost that connection and, and it's such a beautiful connection if you take the time to feed it. It's funny that you bring up that part about feeling desired. And to me, I, I relate that a lot to having a partner that's super thoughtful and consistently thoughtful because I think, I mean, even with like kids, for example, if someone decides to have kids, I think that's a very great example to set. I've heard of girlfriends or just friends in general that had really great parents that were great examples of that. And they're lucky to have that as now role models. And obviously the bar is really set high because they're like, my parents were super thoughtful towards each other. They're consistently like that. And so I see that they kind of lead into their dating life where they're like, I really want a similar dynamic where I have a partner that's thoughtful and I'm thoughtful towards them and vice versa. And I think that's something I've always uh, cherished the most, especially in my last relationship, um, which was about a year. And and I remember, I think that was like the top, top trait that I appreciated about him was that he was so utterly thoughtful. Right. And that, of course, made me feel desired. And it was like the smallest things, right? And it's funny because a lot of people, again, we live in New York and I once lived in LA where sometimes it can get superficial where people might, or maybe the guys think, oh, you know, but I don't have the means to take her to this place or like do all these different things. But it's funny, like this guy. But it's not about that. It's not, it's no. not. It was like the smallest things. And like even, I remember just for my birthday, the way he thought about my birthday and like the like whatever he took me to and what he did afterwards it was just very well thought out and right. it just just showed me like you care about me you cared about me that much to like yeah. think about that and like that means a lot and i think it's interesting how if if a, if like a girlfriend of mine i can imagine if they have that experience i think that changes their perception moving forward whether it's with that person or someone else because they realize like that is like a really high value for sure you know what I'm saying yeah, like yeah. it's so different than just being given I don't know a handbag or a gift or a nice dinner and, and again those things are nice but there it's is the something small yes, stuff it's that so adds different. up for yeah. sure uh, my current partner is the most thoughtful partner I've ever had mm. and I honestly think that like generosity breeds generosity so yeah. it's not a one-way street like He's generous with me and therefore I'm generous with him. And you also like want to be more generous and caring and thoughtful with your partner. So it's just 
such an important thing for you to really make sure that the both people in the relationship are mm -hmm. bringing that to the table. Yeah. I do want to dive into relationships and um, something sure. you kind of mentioned before was like being in a previous relationship back in Brazil. Right. And, you know, I'm I'm always fascinated, especially always learning from people who have experienced a bit more than me just on maybe some reflections you had from that relationship and maybe just oh boy past maybe just past in general it doesn't have to be that one but just anything no no like, i can talk about that yeah one. That, that was an, a very important one it yeah. was my first long-term relationship i've yeah. always been a hopeless romantic okay and i basically moved back to brazil because of him mm -hmm. and it was a very toxic and abusive relationship mm -hmm. um it was at one point a physical abuse, but it was consistently an emotional abuse, mm. uh, putting me down. He didn't like what I did in finance. Um, essentially, he didn't think that I needed to work. Mm. And I am somebody who's very, um, I'm an extrovert mm -hmm. and I love to talk to everybody. I recharge by being around people and talking to people mm -hmm. and meeting new people. Yeah. And he hated me talking to even his guy friends. Mm. So it was hard because suddenly I, I had this light of my own being consistently dampened. Mm. And it's as though I was an inconvenience and I was mm. too loud and I was too much. And I see a lot of women talk more and more about that in social media today. Yeah. Um, I think what we don't talk about enough is the impact that this has on your career. Mm -hmm. So of course on my self-esteem naturally, you know, went down the drain. Yeah. And when I left the relationship, it was, it was done in a way that was really intense and almost like ripping this bandaid off. Mm -hmm. And had there been, I think more love and trust, in the relationship there it didn't need to have be so painful mm -hmm. but it took a toll on my career as well like i i had this moment where i realized like do i want to keep fighting for what i'm building in finance mm. and in terms of purpose i truly realized that that wasn't the case but i had a really bad experience towards the end where i went to work at a hedge fund that i had worked at before and you know, working with people that I knew mm -hmm. and just having this, like I negotiated my position badly, my salary badly. Um, I had a really hard time navigating the politics because my um, self-esteem was non-existent. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, these things truly take such a big impact on, on women uh, when you are in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. So I, and the abuse started like right away once we became official mm -hmm. it was a manipulation off the bat so i stuck around for a really long time partly because there was you know i thought all right i moved to a new country because of this person mm -hmm. i i really did love the person at the time yeah um it almost becomes a little bit of that you know i don't want to mix things too much but like mm -hmm. the stockholm syndrome where you like fall in love for you know your mm. the person who kidnaps you oh okay I, yeah i've heard of that i've heard of that term but i haven't heard of the definition right and so that's what it is that's what happens you know people oh, who people who are kidnapped um the stockholm syndrome is that they end up getting they fall in love with their kidnapper and hmm. I, I that can be a really <laughs> 
really intense way of describing this, yeah. but it is that moment where like you have this, you know, you're here and you're you're already putting in all this effort into building mm -hmm. it. There's also this like toxic love, you yeah. know, where it's like this huge lust and the sex is great. And yeah. then, you know, you just have a really hard time breaking away. Yeah. And so I wish that I had left within the first year. Yeah. Um, right away when I noticed this, like, we think that we're gonna be alone or mm, that mm. how are we gonna make it in the world mm -hmm. um and you can totally rebuild your your life you just need to have the right mindset yeah and that's the tough part when you're in such a fragile position is yeah. having a strong enough mindset for you to leave and truly believe that you're able to build the life that you want make enough money right and move forward right do you wish, looking back, that you were able to maybe develop some of that mindset before a relationship like that? Yeah, I for some reason, when I was really young, like in my early 20s, I just had I had such low self-esteem around the men that I chose to have in my life. Mm. And I always chased and put myself in situations where I wasn't valued mm. and mm. that's I part of it is because I had a really bad relationship with my dad um mm. he passed away while I was in college and it was just this unresolved family conflict yeah um so for sure daddy issues if you will yeah but it also I think my Saturn return truly from like 27 to 30 were mm -hmm. so emblematic. Like they were the hardest years of my life, but mm -hmm. they were also the most important. And the number one thing that I learned is to befriend myself. Mm -hmm. I used to be that person who was the life of the party. I was always out every single night. <laughs> if it, if not at a club at dinner with friends yeah. and I learned that I actually really enjoyed spending time with myself and, mm -hmm. and being on my own and, you know, accepting my own company. So yeah. the earlier on you learn that, I think yeah. the better you will be long term in your life. Yeah. Because that, that truly is the most important relationship. The only thing that I'll say is I hear a lot about this on social media. That's like you're basically you you need to build a strong relationship with yourself before you get into a relationship and mm -hmm. i disagree i mean mm -hmm. of course if you're coming from a, a place of you know low energy and low self-esteem with your own self that can put you in a harmful situation yeah. where you're you know you're in a relationship that's not truly benefiting you mm -hmm. but i met my current partner i'd say like 75 percent there yeah and he yeah. helped me with the remaining 25%. Yeah. And so, and I, I had, I truly had made a list of the things that I wanted in a partner and yeah. like put that away and really focused on being with somebody that matched that as much as possible. 100%. Yeah. So when you're with a partner who values you, mm -hmm. that it can really help to like, build the remaining yeah. amount of the person that you want to become. Yeah, yeah, I'm I absolutely agree with that and that's coming from, obviously from someone that really values personal development and um for especially for young women to learn how to be comfortable on their own. I did I've done a lot of solo traveling uh, from a young age and so I think 
I I had that established. I think it's funny too because I kind of had a, a type of I guess family dynamic that a lot of my girlfriends never experienced, which is more conflict with my mom than I was. I'm like best friends with my dad, mm -hmm. and not so. I have a very interesting dynamic with my mom where we just don't have the same values or perceptions of on life. Right, and so therefore every time you know if I'm doing something or I say something, she's always critical of it because we don't share the same views on life. Yeah, and so it's interesting because I feel like from 18 to 24 I spent those years so focused on being my own person something I didn't think my mom had not not a, not in a critical way either I think it's definitely cultural right my mom my parents came from Vietnam during the Vietnam War so I think that has a big um foundation on like how they developed as people so I never like blamed that on them but I think I observed it um just on what I had as a female model growing up and I was like okay that's I saw that as potentially unhealthy as an adult where right. you don't have your own ability to be your own person to uh, you know to um have your own interests and passions and, and to feel confident on your own and that's why it's something I encourage women to experience at an early age because then when you enter a relationship you won't feel as scared although it's going to be natural to, to be scared but like you know that natural insecurity of okay well what if I never find someone again I don't want to be alone like things like right. that um, but I'm also a big proponent on that you often do grow within a relationship or with a partner or with someone kind of like as your teammate whatever that looks like because I've experienced that as well and every time though I think it was like kind of 50 50 I had to be at a certain place and grounded on my own to be able to kind of meet that person romantically right. um, at a place that enabled us to both grow as people. And whether we stayed together or not, that's like a different story. But I think I saw that I had individual growth and then additional growth through being with that person for whatever that time period was. Yeah, 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 for sure. My situation was similar in terms of my parents. My dad, I was always really close to my dad and, mm -hmm. and never saw really eye to eye with my mom. But I'm oh. 33 and my mom started changing uh, her mentality when I was around 30. Oh, I really? Think she noticed like how difficult the I'm last... I'm always so <laughs> curious to yeah. see if that would ever change. Yeah, I, that you say I that. mean, you know, I, I don't know if it's getting older and you kind of gain a different perspective in life and yeah. you become a little bit softer. Right. But... But my mom is just today. She's so happy with what I do. She's like, I'm learning so much, you know, oh, okay. and she's just happy to see that I'm happy. OK, but that was not always the case. OK, interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I think that's something um, a lot of girls that listen, especially ones that have like cultural and generational differences or big gaps right. with their parents like that tends to be a lot of what they DM me about. And right. they appreciate when I talk about it, which I think I was always told from my mom like I shouldn't be talking about that because people would look down on me or would judge me for like not having a good relationship with her because there's this narrative like daughters are supposed to be besties with their mom or I guess more so in American culture especially and again this is more so from like my girlfriends in college bless them but they all they all had best friend relationships with their moms and I was always like am I like doing something wrong for like not having that but I think it is nice to hear from other girls and women that have experienced the same thing just that it's not always a smooth ride and you're not no. going to always be besties with your mom but sometimes there is light at the end of the tunnel yeah. in that you know maybe when you reach a different chapter of life 
that mom starts to be more accepting yes of like the reality and maybe that's what where she is right now is just maybe resistant a bit of like where I'm at and wants it to be a certain way. I don't know if that was the same way yeah, for you. Yeah, for sure. But like, I mean, that's the reason why I went into finance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's funny. I, I'm curious. Okay, I wanted to dive into sex questions, sex okay. related. All right, introducing lube in the bed. We'll start with that one. <laughs> like, okay, first off, I feel like I have to ask, do you have personal recommendations? And like, I, I think this is a fun one where I've brought this up at dinner with girlfriends before. Where, where it was like both on, I think like, vibrators or like actual personal products like that and then also lube because I remember I was always like very out of the loop on that kind of stuff I never like looked into it but I, I know there's been like you know cutesy feminine products that have come about within yeah. like lube you know so I'm kind of curious like you know send us the list <laughs> yeah so lube is a really great way for you to increase pleasure yeah. there's this resistance that if I'm not wet enough you know this can actually make the man feel like he's not doing his job. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't want to like put them down right. or you're embarrassed <laughs> that you're not wet enough like for your own sake. Yeah. And that's a huge misconception. Uh, there's this terminology arousal non-concordance, which means that you can be aroused and yet your genitals aren't equally as aroused. Mm -hmm. This can happen for numerous reasons. Yeah. But just understand that you can be really turned on and not wet, and that's perfectly fine. The same way that men can be really turned on, but they can't get it up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that introducing lube is such a helpful thing. That being said, there's been so much talk recently of like, you need to have lube because like lube is going to improve your sex life. And like, yes, it can. Yeah. But if you feel like you you tend to get pretty wet and you feel good about it yeah. like there's no reason for you to suddenly feel this pressure from social media that you like absolutely need right to incorporate lube but right. it does enhance the experience yeah so that being said there are in general three different types of lubes right um you have water-based lube mm -hmm. um silicone based lube and then oil-based mm -hmm. uh and Water-based is the most common one. Okay. It's the one that like tends to be um, just easier for you to incorporate with everything, with latex condoms, yeah. with your sex toys. Right. Uh, but the problem is that it can um, dry up fairly quickly. Mm. So then there's the silicone based and that is long lasting that's great for anal play mm. but that can actually um you just need to make sure that it's compatible with the type of condom that you're using mm -hmm. and also with your intimate device because mm. if it's it's a if it's a silicone um rubber right. then it can actually deteriorate if you're using silicone uh, lube it can deteriorate the surface and and okay. cause bacterial growth right and then oil can also be great for massages and you know cbd infused ones yeah. that heighten uh in, in sensation yeah but that can also not be compatible with latex condoms mm. and with your intimate device. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on There's what so your like, there there are. Details, it yeah. really depends on what your objective is. Mm -hmm. And um, 
but I actually posted a reels recently that you can check out on my page, mm -hmm. ultimate guide to Lou, but has everything listed, what you need to, um, look out for. Yeah. And, but the lubes that I really enjoy, um, good, clean love has, mm -hmm. I think the best water-based lube on the market. Okay. Um, it's, it's truly, it's the cleanest one. It has the most like pH balanced. It's the, everything about that brand there. You can find them in any like CVS Walgreens. Yeah. They're, they're huge. Um, and, and truly like the highest quality lube. Okay. Yes. Um, Yes. Taking notes. Good ladies. clean love. <laughs> yes. For oil based, there's personal faves peak. It's CBD infused. Mm -hmm. And I just love it because like a little goes a long way. Yeah. You don't feel like you've overdone it because the problem with loops sometimes mm -hmm. is that you like put too much. And then I think that the too much actually decreases oh. the sensation because it becomes too slippery. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so this is also another great one. But I am just in general a really big fan of oil-based lubes oil -based. but it's because I don't I don't wear a condom in my current relationship right, so right. then it ends up being a lot easier to totally. incorporate but when yeah. I'm not using that then I'm using good clean love yeah okay good yeah. to know we'll, we'll definitely like link that in the show notes um, though for but sure but you did ask how to bring it up and yeah. there are a few different ways you can you know, send a link to your partner and be like, hey, I just came across this super interesting lube. Would you be interested? Like, how about we check it out? Yeah, you know, yeah. we try it out next time. Uh, you can also just purchase it yeah. and have it next to the bedside when you guys engage in sex again next time. Yeah. Just mention like, hey, I wanted to try this. You know, are you into it? If we don't like it, we can just wash it off yeah. and continue. Yeah, you know as was. So, so I, I, I think that people overthink right how to incorporate lube in bed, and yeah, and I also think it's important if you feel pain during sex, lube mm -hmm. is critical, and you need to communicate that to your partner. Yeah. Like, listen, I am feeling pain, mm -hmm. and it's kind of a non-negotiable. Yeah. Like, and, and you might not like the first lube that you try, right. but you'll try other ones until you find the one that suits both of you best. Yeah. And I think people need to take sex less seriously and be more open-minded yeah. and it really is adults play. Mm -hmm. And we forget that like when you play as a kid, you fail at things, things yeah. don't work out, you yeah. like laugh it off, you try it again. And I think that's how we need to approach sex more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stop walking on eggshells and truly embrace the exploration of it. Yeah. And understand that like you're gonna come across things that you don't enjoy. For sure. And that's totally okay. Like, yeah. you know, you, you, check that off the box and move on. Yeah, and I think that's a big one for women too. I, I know I had another question around like advice for women who are used to being people pleasers mm, and that's huge. And how to be able to like sit back and receive so they can also just experience the pleasure, right? Cuz I think there's you know some that like find that hard to like not be in a certain role, right? right? And like to basically like allow it to reverse. So I'm curious if this has ever crossed your anonymous Q&A. Oh my or, goodness, all the time. Yeah. Women were brought up to please others mm -hmm. and to really put their needs and priorities in the backseat. Yeah. So you put everybody else first and, mm -hmm. and you're last. And, and meanwhile, men are permitted to 
place themselves first and to seek their desires mm -hmm. and to express their sexual needs because they're men yeah. and they have testosterone, yeah. um, which is, is an excuse truly and, mm -hmm. and a social construct. Yeah. So the problem with this is so women are conditioned to not ask for what they want mm -hmm. because you're there to please your partner. And if you're, if you feel like you're taking too long, you're an inconvenience to your partner. Mm -hmm. And so then you get too much in your head. You're not able to come or to ask for what you want. Mm -hmm. And you tell them, oh, no, 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 it's fine. Like, I don't, you know, I don't need to come. Or you fake an orgasm, which yeah. does a disservice to everybody because then right. your partner thinks that he made you come <laughs> um, and he didn't. And so then farther down the line, if you ever decide to let them know that you've been faking it this whole time, <laughs> that's a really tough conversation to be had. It can totally yeah. still be had, but, yeah. you know, it's just important to be very honest. And I agree. The honesty thing is it's huge. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's hard and it's kind of scary, you know, I mean, especially again, a lot of young girls listen to this. So I think it can see it's a little intimidating, you know, to like, right. like be direct and open. I mean, I think a lot of people already struggle with being direct and open about, you know, more basic general topics, right? Like just their general relationship communication aspect and things yes. like that. But then it's like communicating openly about like sex and like sex needs and whatever. I mean, it's definitely intimidating for people, but mm -hmm. a few of the exercises in our intimacy card deck, which is based on sex therapy is when you learn how to be very specific and guide your partner on exercises that are non-sexual mm -hmm. such as giving like your partner giving you a hand massage mm -hmm. and you being very specific like okay I really like this pressure here yeah. or no I oh, need it a little good. bit deeper move a little bit to the left and yeah. to the right that ends up building your confidence to yeah. express your needs in bed that's true right yeah it's a good practice so that is an example of a kind of practical exercise that people can practice, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, but establishing your, like stating your boundaries and mm -hmm. your needs outside of bed in yeah. general helps set you up for expressing what it is that you want in bed. Yeah. If you feel like communicating what it is that you want in bed is like too soon, too much, yeah. uh, I would recommend starting off with the small stuff like, 100%. hey, can you please take out the trash or yeah. can you please call the dry cleaners yeah. and like small day to day things yeah. that will build that confidence. Yeah. When you're in bed, I would also start small with mm -hmm. something like, oh, you know, express like that feels really good or I like it when you do X, Y, Z. Okay, grab me a little bit more firmly here or mm -hmm. a little bit softer. Can we try a different position? I think these are like small steps for you to then get into like the deeper stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe like if they're going down on you and they're like totally missing it, that can be a little bit harder for you to yeah. actually guide them. But if you start with like more broad things in bed, mm -hmm. eventually you'll gain the confidence to be very specific about how it is that you that they can help you you know maybe orgasm yeah. or 
try other novel things in bed. And I think it's just important to also be playful in that process. You know, I think yeah. like you said earlier, sometimes um, we take it too seriously and we're it's like a adult's playground or adult's play or whatever. So yeah. I think it's important to keep that in mind through it all. It's, yes. It's, it's and fun. if your partner is not open to receiving feedback, that's yeah. a huge red flag. Mm-hmm. So just keep an eye out yeah. for that. And I would, I would say, I would agree to that too in, in that like I would feel like that partner and I are just misaligned then. And like yes. if they're going to um, feel offended or feel sensitive to anything that where it's like good, healthy communication, um, it's probably an indicator like we may not be aligned uh, to, do, to be able to partner yes. up long term because I think that's part of what happens naturally in relationships especially over the years you know you have to be able to openly communicate and sometimes it's uncomfortable exactly which is why it's important for you to start talking about sex and expressing your needs Mm -hmm. as soon as possible when you start having sex with somebody okay last two questions um number one being book recommendations do you have any maybe around relationships or yes. mindset personal growth i also know you like esther perel i love her yes as well. yeah. uh, her book mating in captivity is such an important one because mm-hmm. it explains why it is that we lose desire when we're in a long-term relationship mm. and what you can do about it okay so that's an important one. Another one that's been, that truly is considered like the Bible is Come As You Are Mm. by Emily Nagoski. Um, It's aimed more towards female sexuality, Mm -hmm. but it truly is a book for everybody. Mm -hmm. And it helps you understand how your libido works, why it's like that, what, you know, how how you can understand yourself better. Mm -hmm. And it really normalizes a lot of the things that we feel that are wrong with us but are perfectly normal yeah so that's a second one another one that i love is so tell me about the last time you had sex by Mm -hmm. dr ian kerner he's a sex therapist Mm -hmm. and the focus is on couples who are having a hard time rekindling their desire and the entire book has just a ton of frameworks and exercises for you to do together Mm -hmm. with you know anecdotes that also normalize the different experiences that couples go through yeah so those that's like my trifecta okay awesome those we always link the book recommendations in the show notes and also like in our instagram stories so those will be highlighted and i love that they're very relationship (laughs) and sex based yes last question it's something that i ask every guest on the show Um, But in reflection of everything, you know, relationships and your life experience, what would you say ultimately fulfills you in life? Helping others. Mm. Yeah. For me, that's at the core of everything that I do every day. The reason why I show up online Mm -hmm. and why I want to focus on educational content above Mm -hmm. all. Yeah. People struggle so much with sex and relationships and Mm -hmm. they feel so lonely and overwhelmed and ashamed and nobody should feel like that because Mm -hmm. what you're going through so many other people are going through I mean for sure and it's just important for you to have you know somebody or a community 
that you trust to be able to open up about this, yeah. even if you, even when you don't have the means yeah. to pay for a therapist or a coach, right? You know, right. so so I, I'm just very passionate about helping others through this and making sure that it's as accessible and inclusive as possible. That's what's your Instagram? Can you link that and share everything? Yes. So Wonderlust uh, handles are join Wonderlust with an O. And my handles are uh, Natasha B. Miller. Natasha spelled N-A-T-A-S-S-I-A. And I'm very active on Instagram and TikTok mm-hmm. above all. So Love that. Those will be linked. Thank, Thank you, you so much. You're so great. <laughs> Thank you so much. And that was all for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as always. And if you did, please be sure to share this episode on your Instagram story. Tag the podcast Instagram. And of course, also tag Natasha. Everything will be linked in the show notes as always. And for all of the What Fulfills You merch, you can find that at whatfulfillsyou.com. And you can enjoy 10% off with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. Thanks again for tuning in today. I would chat with you all in the next episode. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Are you currently in college or recently graduated but kind of struggling to figure out how to approach your post-grad life? If so, then I have the perfect guide for you, which I created for my college self in mind. That is the Everyday Girl's Guide to Career Success ebook, which features a holistic approach to all things starting out in your career during and after college, from cultivating the right mindset, building your resume, maximizing your LinkedIn profile and network, and so much more. I take you through a personal step-by-step guide on how to prepare for all areas needed when searching for a job. And these were actually many steps that I personally did between my sophomore and senior year of college, as well as the first year out of college. So I always highly recommend to start early to create opportunities for yourself. In this ebook guide, you will find cover letter tips and custom templates available for download, resume building steps, with three custom templates, LinkedIn tools, and step-by-step guide on maximizing your profile, top 20 behavioral interview questions, and a lot more. Again, you can find this online at whatfulfillsyou.com. Just make sure when you click shop, just go to all products and you will find the ebook there, or just go to the show notes and it will be linked.